two, episode two of Attack of, Attack of the Sports, hosted by Austin and Mitch. Yeah. I'm Mitch. I'm Austin. So, uh, some shit went down this week. Uh, last week we talked a lot about the AFC and NFC championship games going in. We made our predictions. You were predicting, uh, Patriots Saints. I was saying Chiefs Rams. We both went one and one. Somewhat begrudgingly. I feel like we should start off with the more heavy of the two, which is the NFC. Yeah. Oh, that because, one's way worse. Because that, that to me is just... Pure 100% bullshit. Like, okay, so basically, Chiefs, uh, no, not Chiefs, uh, Rams force overtime, basically, last minute of the game, and then teams going to overtime, and Saints are moving the ball. They're pretty much, it, it was looking like they were just going to fucking yeah, march they're gonna in. Yeah, they going to take it. March into the end zone, bam, you're off to the Super Bowl. I go down 0-1. <laughs> And then the, I guess every ref on the field was out having a smoke. No, they were doing the bird box challenge. Oh, they were doing the bird box <laughs> challenge. Okay, so yeah, they they they're blind to the most obvious pass interference call I have ever freaking seen. I've never seen something so egregious. Just like. Bull's not even, like, anywhere near them. And he just fucking takes out the guy. Doesn't even take out. It was a clear headshot. High hit, too. High hit, too, yeah. Like, I went... <laughs> like, I've watched that several different times. There were refs. <laughs> refs near. looking at it. And honestly, you could just look up. Because I guarantee you they redid that play right after... I guarantee you they redid that play on the big screen at the stadium. Oh, you could hear the fans lose their minds Which about they that. have perfectly... Oh, they have every reason to get mad about the that. The Saints should be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I was actually reading today, the guy who... I can't remember his name, but the guy who caught the pass was supposed... The pass was intended for, like, received the hit, was calling for... Um, refs that should have called the penalty like should have been there to call the penalty to be fired because he's like that is a there is no way you can go around this that it's not like there's no way you can look at that and go no that wasn't pass interference fucking sean McVay, the head coach of the rams is like well the refs miss calls on the saints too you mean the rams too well no he he was calling that they were missing stuff the Saints did, but I'm sorry, Sean. That was the most egregious penalty I've ever seen that was never called. That was a dirty hit through and through, and I do believe that it should be Saints going to... It should have been the Saints going to the Super Bowl. Because if that di- hit didn't happen, the Saints would have gotten the win. Oh, yeah. Easily. Uh, like... <laughs> There are Saints fans filing lawsuits against the NFL uh, to replay the NFC Championship game. It's not going to happen. That will never happen. It's set in stone, which sucks. And, like, even after watching that, like, yeah, I was happy I got 
one half of my predictions right, but also I was like, I mm, I don't want you, I don't want to win. This I don't want to win this way. This sucks. <laughs> but it was funny because my neighbor upstairs has a is an obvious big Rams fan. He was losing his mind, like just screaming at the top of his lungs, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're going to hear next week when he's screaming, this week, I guess, when he's screaming because they lost. Yeah. Well, next week. Yeah, next week. Because it's the uh, Pro Bowl this week. Mm-hmm. But no, um, Saints should be in the Super Bowl. Saints, yeah, that, they're robbed. Absolutely robbed. Yeah, they were absolutely robbed of their chance to be in the Super Bowl because of the most bullshit hit I have ever seen Never that seen. did not get called. And you know what this this reminds me of? The amount of calls that were skipped when Riders versus the Blue Bombers were in. The Riders should have went on to the final. Western final, yeah. But we ended up losing. We, like, that fucking... You, you remember that hit on bridge, right? Yes. Right at the end of the game? I think it was Jackson Jeffcoat that hit him. Yep. Just... The biggest headshot I've ever seen, just to take him out. Like, obvious, like, roughing the passer, unsport, well, maybe not unsportsmanlike, but uh, unnecessary roughness. Like, that, oh my god, that was bad. That was a bad fucking call. Even the guy who made the hit says the pass interference should have been called. He's like, I don't understand why it wasn't, it should have been called. I like that. That was like leading up to that. That was getting to be a crazy game. Yeah. Like Rams were really starting to put on a comeback in the end. Like there was a point after I think the first quarter that uh, Todd Gurley only had like two attempts at minus two yards. So I was like Jesus. And then Colin Cowherd had the gall to say like, "Oh, the Saints like when they were." They only scored two field goals when the Rams had more turnovers and first downs. So they deserve to lose. It's like, that's not the point here. The point is that at the end of the game, that should have been a pass interference. Yeah, it. there's no arguing about it. Yeah, no, they're like calling for... Uh, they're calling for like apologies from... Because they were robbed of their Super Bowl chance. Easily, yeah. How about we switch over to the other game in which... I guess refs saw that game like, well, we gotta make up for something. So let's call everything. Man, I hope Tom Brady recovers from that vicious roughing the passer that he got at the... uh, Game, he's oh man, he got he got bad, he got real bad. <laughs> like he he tapped him on the shoulder, and that's that's rough with the passer. Where were these refs at the Ram? <laughs> Where were the they? At? They would have called that. <laughs> they would not have missed that. Listen, if you <laughs> switch the refs, then everything's fine. <laughs> they were at the wrong game. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong refs, wrong game, and it that that AFC Championship game uh, that was a whole other beast. In that, like, not gonna lie, the Patriots kind of had their number for a while there, and then the fourth quarter happened, 
And they the the Chiefs managed to rally like twenty one points. Yep, the tw- they gained twenty points in that fourth quarter to um like in the last I think it was two minutes of the game. I think it was um, close to twenty points were scored in the last two minutes of the game. Absolute madness. Yeah, because the Patriots scored the touchdown to get the lead, and then the Chiefs came back and scored a touchdown to get the lead, and in the last like. And in the last minute of the game, like minute and a half, I guess, the Patriots scored. They scored too fast. They left yeah. like 30 seconds on the clock. And then all the Chiefs had to do, all they had to do was score a field goal. Get down the field, score a field goal. We go to two overtimes. And But I will say, though, the Chiefs had a chance... To just push it right through. They were on they, the 21. They did. They but did. If, But I understand why they went for the field goal. But if they really wanted to, they could have pushed it. Because you know the Patriots were expecting a field goal. So if they kept the team on to go, I don't think the Patriots would have expected that it. That would have been the most ridiculous like field goal fake ever. Yeah. Most but, ballsy play by Andy Reid ever. But uh, he went for the points there. Which uh, was smart. You know... Taking it overtime, if and if you win that coin toss and like Patrick Mahomes, he's got the hot hand right now. Yeah, if he's putting up twenty one points. A touchdown's easy for him. Just gotta win that coin toss. Yeah. But which, apparently, the, the the that's the greatest play the Patriots ever have is winning coin tosses. <laughs> I was just wa- I was just watching. Like I wasn't actually watching the game, but I was watching like the live. Things I was and, watching a ticker feed. Yeah, I was watching the ticker feed, and I just watched. Like they weren't the last two to three minutes. There weren't small plays. It was like so twenty three yards, twenty three yards, fifteen yarder. Just and everyone like, woke up. Yeah, it was like they're not. Go- they were not going for the short pass. They were going to get as many points on the board as they could. And yeah, when I do think though, as much as the overtime benefited the Patriots to let them get to the Super Bowl. I do think that the OT rules should be the same as the Grey Cups. They, they should be at least the same as college football. Yeah, where both teams get a shot. It like it baffles me. It baffles me that the NFL hasn't figured this out yet. Now, I can probably understand because they want to, like, regular season games, they want to keep those, like... They don't want to go to overtime mm-hmm. because you you know you're working with a network and all this and all that. There's a whole lot of parameters. A lot of people yeah. don't really realize. But this is like this. But is this Super is Bowl. this is going to the Super Bowl playoff. You gotta change that format. Yeah, and a lot of people were saying like, "Oh, just play defense. If you if you didn't stop, then you don't deserve a shot." Then it was like. That's not fair That's because not fair, especially with how the Chiefs played in the fourth quarter. They came back like it did seem going into the fourth quarter that it was the Patriots game. The Patriots are just it was, going. It was right their through. game to lose. But then the Chiefs game just then the Chiefs just were like, you know, we should actually try it. Let's try for a bit and then just rampaged forward. So I don't think it's anything to do with that. I just think it's the fact that oh, you score points, you win. Yeah, I don't think that's how it should be. I think it should be both teams should get a shot. And like, if the Chiefs won, if they won the coin toss and got the touchdown, I would still be here complaining about overtime rules. Yeah, because it doesn't like, seem fair. Are are you saying that Tom Brady couldn't score a touchdown in that overtime if yeah. he had a shot too? 
or if Patrick Mahomes had a shot, like either one of them could have scored a touchdown easily. So I don't know, like just change, like at least change it so like both teams actually have a shot at scoring points because especially in the playoffs, it like the one one touchdown wins and you're you're it's basically like saying oh the other team couldn't have done it. Yeah, like they could. It's a total slap in the face of was the best offensive team uh, this year with the fucking Chiefs. It's ridiculous. So, but uh, and it, I also think that when overtime comes and both teams get a shot, it becomes a way more interesting game because oh, we're man. not talking about oh they get a touchdown and then they're kicking a field goal. No, we're talking about two point converts. Yeah, because exactly. it's about getting more points than your opponent. Because, like, oh, you got a touchdown, but you didn't get the two-point convert. Yeah, and... So, everything's all all on the line to get that touchdown and two points. Yeah, because it's either you get a touchdown, you get two points, and then the other team has to get a touchdown and two points. Or you get a touchdown, but you miss the two-pointer, so that way the other team just has to get a touchdown to win. Yeah. It just... I think it makes the game... Or if the team goes for a field goal, and it's like, can their defense stop them? And hold the line? Or are they going to score a touchdown and win the game? Like, there's way more parameters that way. It's not just kind of set in stone if you just get a touchdown. Rather than... Because, like, all you need to do in reality in overtime, if you win the coin toss, is to get into field goal range and then make a field goal. Yeah. And then you... And And then hope your defense holds. Yeah. Which, to me, is like, that's just cheap. Yeah. I just feel I'd feel cheap if it's like oh I all we gotta do is get a field goal and then stop okay. And, uh, like I know, I saw some threads of people being like oh then games would go way too long well in regular season you cut it off at like two mini games and like if it's a deadlock it's a deadlock tie game but in the playoffs that becomes the most ridiculous sh- like I remember I think it was uh, Oklahoma and Texas. That had a, like, four or five overtime game. Because they just, like, I think it was, like, it was when Baker Mayfield was with Oklahoma. Yeah. And it was just the most ridiculous back and forth, like, it was like 70 points each. It was, like, fucking insane watching that game. So, I was like, imagine that play with the best players in the world, in the NFL. That would be fucking ridiculous. Oh, that would be a great thing to watch. That would be the best, like, playoff game ever. But, uh, I don't know. I think this is something the NFL has to address, like, in this offseason. It's like, you, you got to change the rules in overtime. Because if... <laughs> and it, it, it makes it worse for me because it keeps being the Patriots benefiting from this. <laughs> they won a Super Bowl because of these overtime rules. And they're going to a Super Bowl because of these overtime rules. Now, if the other teams just play some defense, I guess we could have won, but, you know. Are you saying Matt Ryan, in that Super Bowl, couldn't have scored on that Patriots defense? I don't know, man. We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. And, like, also, in the Super Bowl, think about it. If it went to triple, quadruple overtime. Oh, my God. Just imagine. Like, Imagine how close, like, everyone's on the edge of their seat. Like, I'm on the edge of my seat for the last two minutes of the fourth quarter when the points are going back and forth and back and forth. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I couldn't breathe when it was, like, the last two minutes of the game. And every time I saw 
pass attempted for this guy, and the, Tom Brady's pass attempted for this guy missed. Incomplete, Fuck. incomplete, incomplete. Complete! Yes! Like, whoa! Nah, NFL, NFL's got to do something about that. NFL's got to do something about the refs doing the bro box challenge during yeah, the Super Bowl. I mean, you got you got you to do a lot of things. There's a lot of things you got to address. Uh, so this year's Super Bowl is going to be... You know, it's almost... Uh, I what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Because Tom's first Super Bowl was against the Rams. Uh, full star, everything's coming full circle. At least for the Tom Brady com- career. And it's like... I'd almost... like I, I think this will be the perfect time. If he wins this Super Bowl and retires, like you started your career beating the Rams in the Super Bowl. End your career beating the Rams in the Super Bowl. You like that's kind of like that ties, that puts a little bow on that career, and I feel like that's a double fuck you to the Rams. Oh, double fu- oh, huge fuck you! Then it's the Rams lost to the su- lost to the Patriots both times they're in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, and then Tom in Brady two different leaves. cities. Yeah, and then Tom Brady leaves, so they don't even get a shot at trying to take down Brady. <laughs> so it's like, so basically, it's like he wins. Gives two middle fingers and then walks away. He says, fuck you, St. Louis, and fuck you, L.A. <laughs> oh, that would be that would be kind of fucking rich. Uh, so, what are your predictions for the Super Bowl? Patriots uh, are winning it. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the Rams, but uh, I think this will come down to defense. And I like that Rams defense a lot. I mean, Sam Darnold. Oh no, not Sam Darnold. Uh, Aaron Donald. Yeah, he's he's a difference maker. So if I like I said last week, uh, that that defense can change the tide of the game. <laughs> so yeah, but you know they're gonna have. They're gonna you know get... they're gonna you're, they're gonna have the Patriots versus Kansas City refs at the Super Bowl yeah, af- like... after that. After the Rams and Saints game, they're not they're not going to be willing to put on people who might miss a call. No, they're putting on the people that are going to call every fucking thing because they're like, we no 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 we're we're good guys we're good we got this. And like the one of the reasons I just want the Patriots to win is because I don't think um, the Rams got to the Super Bowl fairly. Oh yeah, they played a good game. Yes, but they got to the Super Bowl on a call that should have been made, and it should not have been them. That's why I went and also I'm a Patriots fan, and I want the Patriots to win. But at the same time, I don't, because I don't want the idea that uh, Brady finishes this game and wins the Super Bowl, and then like, you know what, I've had a good career, I'm done, and then I don't want to see what happens to my Patriots afterwards. It's like, oh, I better find a new team now. <laughs> But I do know something. If he does retire after the Super Bowl, he wins the Super Bowl and he retires, I'm buying a championship hat. Yeah, that would be kind of fitting. Yeah, because I've not bought a championship hat from the Patriots because for full expectations, it's like they're going to be in the Super Bowl again and I don't want to have to keep buying hats. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to buy the hat from the year because you know Tom Brady's not going to go out until he has another Super Bowl win. Like, he's not going to go out on a losing season. He's going to go out on the season where he's won the Super Bowl. So, 
that's the only way I'm going to buy a hat. the championship hat is the year that he leaves to mark the end of the Super Bowl, the constant Super Bowl victories. <laughs> but I will admit, it is kind of becoming a lot like some of the NHL teams, like we were talking about last week, that were just constantly in the Stanley Cup. It's like, let's see a fresh face. Yeah, it, it was refreshing to see the Eagles win. Yeah. Not just because it was against the Patriots, mind you, but uh, like I, I'm all for new teams winning Super Bowls, and winning then, their first ones. And then Philadelphia wins a Super Bowl and almost burns down their fucking city. I mean, that's every team except for <laughs> Patriots fans because they're kind of just used to it. So it's like, well, may as well just like... People are already starting to line up for the parade. <laughs> it's like, we should like, just get here early just in case. Boston has more or less cemented their place as the city of champions in the past, like, 20 years. Constant success by the Patriots. Uh, Celtics have won uh, NBA title. Bruins have won uh, Stanley Cup. And the Red Sox have had their greatest era in the entire entire organization's history. Like, they broke the curse of the, the Bambino... And then won another one, and then won another one, and then won another one. Because they're like, you know what, we broke this curse, let's just keep this train rolling. Keep it rolling. They had some periods of like, off and on, but you know. What like, the hell's they, in the... they just won another World Series. What the hell's in the water over there? Uh, success and <laughs> molasses. <laughs> like... You gotta wonder if they're just putting something different in the Gatorade. <laughs> That's they, they got Michael Jordan special <laughs> special. <laughs> they're space jamming people, <laughs> motherfuckers, stealing the essence of super of like other... amazing players and just putting them into their team. Oh man. Uh, ESPN fucking put up a thing on their. Uh... Uh, Facebook. It was uh, when Hugh Jackson was fired by the fired by the Browns. Uh, apparently, the owner and GM both went into his office, and like the first thing he said was, "Get the fuck out of my office!" <laughs> like, I won you three wins. I got you three wins in three years. And this is how you treat me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back to Cincinnati. <laughs> oh man. I thought I thought that was really funny when I saw that. Huh. This is something I didn't realize. Um now the NFL is reportedly uh investigating laser pointing laser a laser pointer was being shined into Tom Brady's eyes during the AFC title game from in the crowd. What? Yeah, someone was using a laser pointer and shining it in his eye, and you can see it at two instances, and one of them occurred during the go-ahead drive in the fourth quarter, including the crucial 25-yard pass to tight end Rob Gronkowski. Whoa, that's a whole other fucking thing. And they're saying it came from the stand, so obviously it wasn't... It wasn't a... It wasn't another... Like, yeah. it wasn't someone on their... On the, the, on the, the chief side going... <laughs> Reminds me of uh, the man, the white shirt rumors when uh, during the Blue Jays uh, games that there was like some dude up in the stands who would uh, call out the uh, pitcher signs Mm -hmm. and all that. And now we're already starting to see uh, people getting cut away from their teams 
because the, the Chiefs fired their defensive coordinator, Bob Sutton. Yep. Two days after losing. I mean, they didn't really have much of a defense throughout the no. whole year. So. Like it was like we said last week, it was mostly their offense. No, oh, yeah, that, that team was offensive catered more or less, and they have good defensive players. It's just not a lot of their games were won by defense. Uh, actually, a lot of news coming out baseball for the Hall of Fame. Actually, uh, so Mariana Rivera. Uh, got elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame unanimous, unanimously. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you got there. I, I did it. I did it, man. Yeah, he, uh, he's the first player to ever be unanimously voted for the, the Hall of Fame, actually. So, good for him. Like, he had a fucking ridiculous career as a fucking closer. Uh, there was actually a neat stat. Uh, more people have actually walked on the moon than uh, have had earned uh, runs against uh, Mariana Rivera in the postseason. Huh. Twelve people have walked on the moon. Eleven people have ha- have earned runs against Mariana Rivera in the postseason. That's fucking crazy to think about. Yeah, when your re- when your record is less than people that have. Traveled thousands and thousands and thousands of miles to walk on the moon. You got you gotta be you gotta take pride in that. There's a reason he was the Sandman because he's gonna put you to bed. There's a reason he was voted unanimously into Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, and Roy Halladay also got uh, elected in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Edgar Martinez and Mike Missina. Were also elected. Nice. Uh, believe, yeah, this is that. It was uh, Edgar Martinez's tenth uh, year. He got three hundred and sixty three votes, uh, but it also means uh, Barry Bonds and uh, Roger Clemens. Uh, I think they're now officially out of uh, opportunities to be elected into the Hall of Fame. So there, there was a lot of people talking about how, regardless of their. Uh, usage of performance enhancing drugs like they still were absolutely incredible and should have been elected yeah uh like how many home runs did Barry Bonds put up that one year it was like 74 and no one's ever come close to that I think so home run record Uh, he, he Barry Bonds became the ma- major league's uh, home run champion by in 756 career home runs. Sweet fucking Christ! That's a lot. That is a lot. He's a sleepy boy. He is. Uh, but also Roy Halladay will well actually won't have a uh, insignia on his hat in the hall. Because uh, apparently his family uh, didn't want, because uh, uh, both the the Blue Jays and the Phillies meant a lot to him. Apparently, yeah. So he didn't want to be associated with one team. Yeah, which that's fair. It's almost like like yeah, like there's only a couple players who like uh, 
I don't think Havoc's in, insignia is on their hats. Uh, oddly enough, oddly enough, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it was just a random thing. It's like Happy Birthday, Sean McVay. Don't let facing Belichick ruin your party. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, what they're saying is, don't let the fact that you're, don't let the fact that there's a high, high chance you may not win the Super Bowl ruin your party this week. Yeah, I yeah, I'm not really. Apparently, Rex Ryan could be, become the Chiefs' defensive coordinator, and hmm, not sure about that. Well, uh, the. Patriots defensive caller is looking at becoming the head coach for Miami Dolphins next year after the oh, yeah. well, after he wins. It comes the tradition of uh, Patriots coordinators get hired to uh, head coaching jobs, and a lot of them don't do all that well. As it seems, no, because they're good at one thing, but it doesn't mean they're good in other. They're things. good in Bill's system, exactly. I was like, it doesn't seem to translate a whole lot. No. So let's move to another football league being CFL, and our riders are getting screwed around. Of course they are. Uh, so because Chris Jones left, kind of surprisingly, uh, uh, everyone, like, they've been kind of, like, scrambling to uh, figure out who the fuck's going to be their head coach. And they have since been denied multiple times. Uh, the uh, head coach, well, not the head coach, the offense coordinator of uh, the Red Blacks, uh, Eli Onzo, uh, was denied by the Riders. And Paul Lapolis was also denied. And apparently he was pissed off about that. And probably rightfully so. Yeah. Like, that's more money on the table that he apparently isn't allowed to have. Uh, but apparently a lot of them are de- denying the riders because of uh, uh, simply the timing. Uh, it's It just doesn't fit with their, like they've already started their operations and all that. Yeah. So it's, <sighs> Jones is kind of screwing us around a bit. So it's looking like they may just have to hire from within, more or less in an interim sense. Before they can really get the head coach they want. Also, um, just for anyone who's betting on Super Bowl, um, they're saying as much as we all are, because everyone is, there are a lot of people not putting money on the Rams to win. Like, everyone's that's doing bets right now are betting on Patriots to win. So if you're doing betting on Super Bowl, um, well, it may not be as beneficial for you to bet on the Rams. If you do bet on the Rams, you're going to see a much larger return on investment if they win than if uh, the Patriots win. Currently, right now, let's see. What is it? What are the betting odds? Um... The over-under is set at 57.5 for the Rams. Oh, my God. Uh. So, meaning, if you bet... Say you bet 
place a hundred dollar bet on the on Los the Angeles Rams to win outright, your return would be a hundred and fifteen dollars. Huh. But if you were to place a bet, say, on the Patriots, your return's not gonna be that high. Yeah. Because the Patriots uh the latest 2019 Super Bowl odds have the New England Patriots at minus 2.5. Don't bet against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's a, that's a risky investment. Yeah. There are high, high, high odds. Patriots this, is, this is the uh, flipping of the script completely from uh, the last time these two teams met in the Super Bowl. Because, like, first time they met... Uh, it was Tom coming out of nowhere because originally it was supposed to be he was supposed to back up Drew Bledsoe. Yeah, but uh, Bledsoe got hurt and he took that. Tom ends up doing what Tom does and fucking brings him all the way to the fucking Super Bowl somehow. Also, Tucker will really help that one. Yeah. Uh, and he was going up against the fucking greatest show on turf, fucking godlike Kurt Warner back in the day, where he had every weapon under the sun, and it was like, no one would have betted on the Patriots in that one. And whoever did would have seen a massive return on investment. Yeah. But now it's like, yeah, if if you want a return on investment, which you may not actually get. Like, do you, do you want to bet on Jared Goff? You want to see those little Rams can somehow dethrone the team of the team of the century right now? This century? I mean, you got to think. They're going up against the quarterback who has set massive records ever since coming in. Is a guarantee. Like, oh, first battle Hall of Famer. Yeah. Easy. Like, he's going to be another one that I don't think will have any contests. Yeah. yeah. Like they will not contest him trying to get in. There will be, be no fighting He'll be him. unanimous, I yeah. think. Because you may hate Tom Brady, but you can't deny... I can't deny the achievements. Yeah, you can't deny the man is good at what he does. It sucks for people who aren't Patriots fans, but the man is good at what he does, and it sucks for Patriots fans because we know one day he won't it's be there. All gone, he and then it's gone. and it's going to take us years to get back what we lost. I mean, you they Bill had you guys set up. You had Jimmy Garoppolo right behind him, and yeah, let's trade him. Yeah, we because we looked at the stats, we saw. The second-string quarterback for the New England Patriots did jack shit all season when Julian Endelman has more passing, <laughs> has more passing yards than... <laughs> That's fucking nuts. Like, the backup quarterback for the New England Patriots is basically being paid to sit on the sidelines and just watch. You're just getting a weekly payday. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Which I'm guarantee you he's not complaining about, but at the same time he's like, I kind of want to see some field time, guys. And that's my worry that say Brady wins Super Bowl, he's done this year, right? Brady, uh, Brian Hoyer is the Alex Moran of the NFL, fucking Blue Mountain State in there. But 
So, Brady wins Super Bowl. Brady retires. You have not prepared your backup quarterback enough to take over for, like, Brady's shoes aren't even clown shoes anymore to try and fill. It's like a fur, it's like a newborn kid trying to fit into dad's clown shoes. (sighs) And I feel bad for the guy that has to replace Tom Brady. You got a lot to live up to. Yeah, because you can't replace Tom Brady. And like I've always said, when Tom Brady leaves, the New England Patriots are going to be the Montreal Alouettes of the NFL. So, who do you think will be the new power in the AFC East after that? Because, not going to lie, that that division is not going to look great for a while. No, Especially it's not. after the Patriots era is over. Because, like, already they've been pretty weak outside the Patriots. So, that's probably why they've had so many success. In, that's why, know, well, that's why the Patriots are so successful, is in the AFC there is not a lot to compete with them. I mean, you face the Jets twice a year, and the Dolphins twice a year, and the Bills twice a year. You're kind of you're padding out your stats against those teams. I will say one in the East. That's a fucking uh like right now the Jets and the uh, the Bills they've kind of set themselves up. For future success with quarterbacks, at least like Josh Allen is looking like a pretty good uh, dual threat up in uh, with the Bills. Like he led the team in passing yards and rushing yards. But let's put it in this way: the second place team in the and the AFC East this season has the same win to loss ratio as the third place team, the North. Has a higher win to loss ratio than the fourth place team in the South, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, in the West, has a higher has a higher win to loss ratio than the third place team in the West. And then in the NFC, yeah, that, it they would still be third place in most places except the NFC West because the NFC West is absolutely fucking. Well, they have the Seahawks, and they have the Rams. The Rams. And then they have... yeah. And if, if Jimmy Garoppolo didn't get injured, the Niners probably would have had a way better season. Like, it's weird to say, but AFC East, Patriot... Like, the all, in the ultimatum that Brady leaves and the Patriots go from being the powerhouse they are to a shit team, then it right now, based on this season, it's the Dolphins. That are the strongest, and God, that's that's <laughs> a downgrade, and that hurts me to say, but yeah, that's that's the big leader after the Patriots. It's the fucking Dolphins. Yeah, that's woof. Unlike unless the Jets or the Bills step up. I mean, the Jets they've got Sam Darnold, and really they just got to build around him, give him a. Co- Give him a running back at least. Yeah. Like and a bit of an offensive line, and I think he'll be set. Like the AFC is covered for 
powerhouse teams when the Patriots go down because the AFC still has Kansas City. You got Kansas City, you got Pittsburgh, you got Baltimore. Like, I've always wondered, how do you, like, do the Patriots have nearly as much success if they were in, like, the North and they were going up against, like, the Steelers and the Ravens and, I guess, the Browns, like, it constantly? Is, it is a great question. Like, because... Because that North is fucking... Like, those guys are rough up there. The Ravens only have one less win than the Patriots. And they were the wild card yeah. team. And then you gotta think. The Texans have... They the got same. Deshaun Watson yeah. right now. Like, the Texans and the Patriots are the same. Same win-to-loss ratio. And then you look at Kansas City, who has let more wins and less losses than the Patriots do. Yeah. Like... In terms of uh, will a team emerge as like the powerhouse that the Patriots were? No, I think there's going to be more room for teams like the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills. Um, I forgot the other team. Can't believe this did that. At the same time, I can't. New York Jets. Yeah, to emerge, but it's going to be a couple years before the East has a powerhouse team again. It'll be like when. The uh, NFC West was the weakest division for a yeah. while because they had fucking fuck all. Like it was, it was Arizona back before they had really had uh, before they had uh, Carson Palmer. Uh, before like in that in between period of Carson Palmer and uh, Kurt Warner, yeah. where they were just kind of like bad, had but, no one, and then there was a a very mediocre. Uh, Seahawks and uh, Niners team both were rather mediocre before they really caught fire for a minute. Do you want to hear what my buddy said would be an amazing thing to happen if Brady were to leave? What? The only kryptonite that the Patriots have in the AFC or NFC, um, the only Manning that's left goes to Patriots as quarterback. Oh my god. <laughs> you take their kryptonite and you put it in the team. It'll either make them unstoppable. <laughs> or the worst team in the universe. Exactly. But, and that's what got me thinking though. Like, we're sitting here saying, oh, once t- Brady leaves, the Patriots are, like, the Patriots have a few years where they're not going to be as great. But what if during free agency... They land someone. Yeah. Like, they land a... Because you got to think, that Super Bowl merchant... The Super Bowl win merchandise that they have has got to be making them some money at this point. Oh, yeah. They got some money for free agency. And I know for a fact that the Patriots would put up big money for to replace Tom Brady. Because, you know, they have all the money back from Tom Brady's fucking salary. Yeah. <sighs> it is interesting, though, that he is not the highest paid quarterback in the no. NFL. Now that is that Jimmy? Is he Jimmy so. right now? Hold on. Not the CFL, NFL. Aaron Rodgers. You know what? That makes sense. Uh. 
Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Being yeah, it's Aaron there. Rodgers, then Matt Ryan, and then Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, Brady's in the top ten, but... Well, he's not number one, so that's... Yeah. Uh, like, Drew Brees has paid more than him. Well, you can tell where he makes the most... Well, I think Brady might have the highest endorsement, though, of the top might. ten. Yeah, it's looking like Brady has the highest endorsements. Because, like, some of these guys have, like, $750,000 for endorsements and all that. Yeah, Brady's got... Brady, that's where the majority of Brady's money comes from. He's $14 million just in... Just in a... Probably a little extra coming on the side, coming from yeah. uh, Mr. Kraft himself. I knew that Brady wasn't the highest paid. Like, Aaron Rodgers being the highest paid doesn't really shock me. Like, but his fucking salary. Jesus Christ. $66 million. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Compared to... Compared to... Whatever, who everyone calls one of the best... Court, one of the best quarterbacks of this century who only makes $15 million a year. And I love how I say he fill. only makes 15. Only 15 mil. Oh, he's so broke. Oh, man. I say with eight grand in the bank. Oh, God damn it. We should, we should have been football players, dude. Yeah, we should, should have been football should players. Should have stuck with it. Should have stuck, st- stuck it out. Just put that shoulder back in. Yeah, should should have stuck a fit. You know, played our time in the CFL. Yeah. Didn't make a lot of money, but hope to God we're on a team that wins a great cup. Or just, just, <laughs> just you know, be really good. Get invite the camp. You know, sign a futures contract, and then sit on the sidelines. Sit on, sit on the sidelines, but make, make like a million. Make a million dollars easy. <laughs> make a million dollars a season. Yeah, you know. Hard times, Ryan. That seems like a lot of work. Yeah. That- <laughs> That would have been a lot of work. No, not like really I feel like our chances are better of winning the lottery than <sighs> probably getting a one-time shot at a million dollars seems easier than getting a yearly million dollars. Anyways, why don't we switch over to the NHL, where uh, Edmonton's imploding? Is, is that any shocking? Is that shocking though? Uh, not really. It's more uh, everything's back to how it should be, where Edmonton just kind of doesn't know what to do. So here's oh, the problem right. with Edmonton right now. It's not the fact that you're going through constant GM and coaching changes. The problem here is you still got the old boys club running the fucking show. You gotta get rid of Dale Hunter. You gotta get rid of Kevin Lowe and all of them. Just clear house entirely. And bring in some fucking new minds. Yeah. Like, Toronto made the right decision by getting uh, Kyle Dubas as their GM. Because he's only like 33. He understands the game right now. Uh, and look at them. They're the fucking... They're, they, they've been walking all over teams, pretty much. Like, I saw something recently that rang super true. It was just a commercial, right? It was a stupid commercial for some uh, NHL program. But what it was is there was two sets of players, right? There are players who played, like, back in the day that are now, like, head coaches, GMs, and all that. Yeah. And then there are players that are current and are right now. And it was just the difference in, like, 
the old players, what they're doing is they're like sitting in front of a table eating a shitload of pasta and carbs and carving up. And then you got the new players that are, you know, having their protein shake or just their healthy alternative to mm-hmm. carb loading. And it's just, it, they're different mentalities from then to now, just in player style. I mean, so also, players were all back in the day where they were smoke, regular smokers and all that. Like, it's very. Very night and day in comparison. Yeah, like the player style is so different nowadays, and so are and so is the game. Like everything is different now. So having these old guys still coaching doesn't make a lot of sense unless they're keeping up. If their team is still playing like they did ten to fifteen years ago, if they can do the ten year challenge and nothing has changed, that's a problem. Yes. Like uh, there was a there was an article I read recently. It was on a. I think it was they were talking about Brooks Orpic and how dinosaur defensive defensemen like him managed to keep up in a league right now yeah. with guys like Connor McDavid and like the game's gone way faster and the the era of the defensive defenseman is kind of like gone gone. So the real question how does a guy like Brooks Orpic who is the prototypical big defensive defenseman uh Keep up, and it's like, well, you just got to change with the times. You you got you got to change how you uh, train. You got to ch- change your whole on ice mentality. You got to be able to join the rush. Yeah, that's how. And guys who you know they refuse to change their play style, they're not playing anymore in the NHL. They're playing out in like Russia or something. Where that's still like another thing that I've noticed over the years is slowly being phased out. Well, it's not being phased out entirely, but it's a very slow progressional. This is going away. Is goons? Well, I wouldn't say goons. Enforcers. Yeah, enforcers are slowly dripping away, which is a bit of a problem because, like back in the day, like when Edmonton was when they had their whole era of like Gretzky, uh, Messier, just superstars. Like, you had, like, five really good players. Yeah. You load up the rest of the team with guys to protect them. Like, your David uh, Schmelko? Some really weird-ass fucking names. Yeah. Uh, Basically, like, Marty McSorley's and guys like that who would, like, you... If you try to fucking take out Wayne... We're taking We're taking your fucking head. And, like... It was also prevalent on, like, teams like uh, Detroit, where they would have, like, Bob Probert, Joey Kosher, and just guys who would fucking knock your teeth in uh, if you even try to take a run of their best players. Which, phasing those guys out has led to guys like Crosby getting injured and getting hit way harder than anyone else. Like, there's been a lot more abuse on the big stars... Uh, since the enforcer role has kind of dissipated. Well, you got to think, because not every team is also dissipating the enforcers. Yeah. Certain teams are keeping them, and those are the teams that still, like, those are the teams that are knocking out like, the, like, the up-and-coming. Like, uh, Vegas, they got uh, Ryan Reeves. And, like, <laughs> hell, when Pittsburgh traded uh, for Ryan Reeves from St. Louis, they gave up a first-round pick. Oh, yeah. But that's because they valued a guy like Ryan Reeves, who's a big power forward kind of guy, who would protect a guy like Crosby or or Malkin because like 
You take a run. You, you want to fucking fight Ryan Reeves? I don't want to fight Ryan Reeves. No, that dude's him. big. <laughs> fucking destroy me. I don't want to fight him on or off the ice. No, but and that's what I'm saying. It's like it's something that I don't think should be dissipating as much as it is. You just it, they need to be able uh, to at least contribute in other ways. Like if you if you're a uh, enforcer, like a Michael Furland, I think is the perfect example. Yeah. Like he was a guy who like big strong dude he was mostly known for fighting but he's still putting up like 20 points yeah, 30 points like, he had a 40 point season i believe yeah, like he can put up numbers but he's also the enforcer like for me though taking these guys out the one of the reasons why this enforcers are slowly uh phasing out is because of how like we've been talking about the game is changing game is changing and now you're not seeing as many you're not seeing as many fights you're not seeing all that kind of stuff like you were back when it first started when everyone was smoking yeah and i'm pretty sure players came to the game drunk sometimes oh yeah like you're not seeing it's this it's a different dynamic nowadays and that's why this role is phasing out which i agree with you i think that the enforcers that we that are still out there um, should stick to their role as enforcer, but should just learn how to adapt. Adapt to the game. Adapt or die. Yeah. It's the mentality. A lot of these bigger and somewhat slower guys more or less have learned over the years. They need to evolve. You can't keep up with a guy like Connor McDavid. No, you can't. So like you got to change how you play the game in order to even get close. Like you got to, change with the game because that's how not only do you stay relevant but that's how you benefit your team that's how you can benefit your team if your team is phasing out the enforcer but you still but you know you can do more than just beat people up and guard people then you have to change which I don't really want the enforcer to go away because I also the, I like hockey fights. Yes, one of the reasons I like hockey is when you get the when you get those two people that drop their sticks and next thing you know it the gloves fall the gloves come off and the fight starts. Like there's, there's nothing no, else like in sports. There's nothing more satisfying than when someone's jersey gets ripped over their head and they're starting to get pounded. Just oh, nothing better. Unless it's like a team your favorite team winning the Stanley Cup, which I still yeah. don't know. That's like, fuck. Um, uh, yeah, last time you're, what was it? Twenty eleven, when they almost burned down Vancouver. Yeah, second time they almost did that. First time with ninety four. Ben, <sighs> there's being passionate about the sport, but then there's also at least just... your team when they lost, their like fans were like, oh, just be depressed about it. Yeah, because just. But, See, at least when Calgary, if Calgary gets up to the Stanley Cup, but they don't win it, at least they're like, well, you know what? Our team already won one thing this year. Or at least We've already won won a Stanley Cup in 89. I guess we're good. Yeah, and it's like our team gets close in another aspect. Um, But I'm actually changing, though, my opinion a bit uh, about what I think the Flames are going to do. I think 
because I originally said the Flames aren't going to make it to final round. But I was watching um, the game against the Oilers. And then I also watched the game against, it was Anaheim. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just the Flames are on that path where I think they could take it. Like, I'm looking at the uh, the overall standings in the entire league. They're second right now. They are right behind uh, Tampa Bay. They got 71 points. Uh, San Jose is next closest at 65. Like, I have good faith in the Flames. Also, and- in the last 10, they are 8-1-1 one, one on a three-game win streak. They're looking pretty... The Flames are looking hot right now. <laughs> they won because they were back-to-back, and then they won their game against Anaheim in overtime. Um, but one of the reasons why like, I think the Flames can take it is because of what we were talking about the Oilers should do. Like A few years ago, the Flames did an overhaul on their team. They brought in a shitload of rookies. Yeah, you, you like... And built the rookies up. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, like I look at that team now. Uh, like a few years ago, like Johnny Hockey just busted into the league. Sean yeah. Monahan was just getting into the league. Uh, it's really it, they had the established back end, but they didn't have much up front. Yeah. But now that like, I think the decision to hire Bill Peters has been the best decision the the, the Flames have made in the past few years. Yes. Because he has been a difference maker. He's found something in that team. Uh, that they've desperately needed. And I think right now Bill Peters is the shoe-in for the Jack Adams because if, even if the Flames don't go deep in the playoffs, they're night and day from what they were last year. Oh, God, so much. But, no, and I think the like it's either the Flames make it to the Stanley Cup or they get to the last round. Oh, yeah. Because... They have been hot, and if they can stay hot, like if the flame doesn't fizzle out on their way, they can make it. Uh, the uh, TSN put out like their midseason awards, like award predictions, more or less. Yeah. And I'm looking at this right now, and right now, uh, for the heart, like Nikita Kucherov is currently sitting at number one, but number two is Johnny Gaudreau. And Norse, everyone's saying uh, Mark Giordano. So, like, you got two of the best players in their positions. Uh, Good things are going to happen. Like, Lady Bing, Sean Monaghan's currently sitting at number three. Uh, But, yeah, like, I I believe uh, Bill Peters and Brad Trevilling have really, really figured something out in Calgary, and they're going to go deep this year. If there's any one Canadian team right now I think could win the Stanley Cup right now, I think it's Calgary. And, you know, I hate to say that I'm rooting for Calgary. Because most of the year, I don't like Calgary that much. But the only time I like them is during hockey season. Because then there's football season, and then I fucking hate them. Fuck Calgary. <laughs> like, fuck the Stampeders. Yay for the Flames. How are your Canucks doing, by the way? Well, we got our golden boy back this week. Hey. Uh, Elias Pettersson, the current shoe-in for the Collider, uh, back from injury. Uh, first game, got like two points. Like, you, just off the hop. Like, you, nothing changed. Yeah, the Canucks won this week. 
Uh, they they didn't win last night. Uh-huh. They got kind of slapped up by the uh, the Hurricanes. But they were on a two-game win streak. Right now, uh, Canucks are also kind of in... They're kind of in the position Calgary was in a few years ago where they brought in a lot of their rookies. And, like, right now, this is a very young Canucks team, and they just brought up... Uh, like, they traded Anders Nilsson just so they could bring up Thatcher Demko uh, in goaltending. So, already, the wheels are starting to get in place. And Thatcher Demko's been playing some good hockey. So, and Jacob Markstrom's been playing out of his mind this year. So, really, I'm thinking the Canucks could make the wild card at least. They may survive this crazy Western uh, absolutely madness uh, wild card this year. Uh, While out east, like like I said last week, it's a lot more set in stone. Uh... But I really want to talk about Edmonton because they had a lot of shit happen this week. So, for one, they fired uh, Peter Chiarelli uh, after three and a half years on the team. And uh, where's the timetable? So, so for one, he traded Taylor Hall okay. uh, for Adam Larson, who has struggled since coming at here. Uh he traded Jordan Eberle for Ryan uh, for what ultimately became Ryan Spooner because he traded for Ryan Strom and then traded for Spooner and then and guess what Spooner got uh, put on waivers this week uh, and he put a huge contract on Milan Lucic who has not lived up to that contract that six million per season uh, and just this week. Uh, his fi- in a in a last act that will continue to baffle the fucking fans forever. Uh, he signed their struggling goaltender Miko Koshinen, uh to a three year contract extension. Why? No one knows. Like I said, that- Oilers are a fucking mess right now. Like, is it that hard to get players to come to Edmonton? That's like, you he- suck, but we need someone. Like, they, like, it's like I said, it's the old boys club. They don't know what the fuck, what the fuck to do. And, like, I think it's Keith Gretzky who is uh, taking over as interim GM right now. And, like, Hitchcock and. Ken Hitchcock had a little success when he first came in after they fired Tom McClellan. But since then, they've just been meandering. Like, Shirelli is... Like, he not not only fucked over the Oilers, he also really fucked up in Boston. Like, real bad, if you remember that. Because he... Okay. He... What was his fuck... Like, I need need the whole Peter Shirelli thing. So give me a second here. Uh, Is there anything you want to talk about in the meantime? Uh, Rally trades. Okay, so here here are seven trades that he's very notable. So he traded. A first and second round pick to New York, to the Islanders, for Griffin Reinhardt. 
guy who's never played in the NHL and has like that was in 2015. He has never played a game for the Oilers. So uh, they gave up a first and second round draft pick for a guy who's never played. Those picks turned into Matt Barzell, uh, 16th overall pick, and Mitchell Stevens, 33rd overall. Fuck. Uh, Barzell, who uh, won the Calder last year with 85 points, and Mitchell Stevens, who played on Team Canada's World Junior Team a lot, is a current uh, AHLer on Tampa's organization. Who may even move on up the, up there? Uh, they also had like that pick was the pick of the litter. So you could have picked uh, Barzell, you could have picked Kyle Connor, you could have picked Thomas Shabbat, Evgeny uh, Svenchnikov, uh, Joel Erickson Eck, Colin White, Ilya Samsonov, or Brock fucking Besser. Seven players. It like that late, late uh, round in the fucking in twenty fifteen was stacked. And they picked someone who never played a game. And they traded for a guy who they thought could be a number one defenseman and never made the team. That's amazing. Uh, (laughs) uh, He traded for Cam Talbot in a seventh round pick to the Rangers. Really likes training in New York, uh, yeah. and sent uh, them a second, a third, and a seventh round pick. And really, none of those picks actually turned out in anything. So I guess that turned out all right for him. These are all his Oilers trades. Yeah, the the most egregious one is fucking Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. Fucking, I don't know. I just don't know, man. It, it feels great not to be an Oilers fan. It, it's great not being like you're you're wasting the best years of the best player in the world right now. Yeah, like, by not giving him anything. Yeah, it feels great not to be an Oilers fan right now. It feels great to be a Flames fan. Like, at least my. Yeah, my team's coming out of uh, Alberta, but at least it's the right side of Alberta. Uh, I'm also going to bring up his Boston trades, because those were also fucking terrible. Uh, Yeah, he traded Tyler Sagan to Dallas. Uh... And what did he receive in turn? He got Louis Erickson, who's with Vancouver now. Riley Smith, who's with Vegas now. Joe Morrow, who's with uh, Winnipeg. He's with Winnipeg now. And Matt Fraser, who I don't, I think maybe played a couple years, but then, yeah, nothing. Uh, I know he also traded. He traded Blake Wheeler for, like, Rich Peverly while in Boston. And now Wheeler's, like, the best, uh, best, like, dish man in fucking the fucking league. Puts up a billion assists. Oh, my God. Thank God I am not, uh, fucking either one of these teams' fans. 
So he sent Boston back a few years because of these stupid trades. Yeah, now he's sending the Oilers back. For a long time. Because they only have... Because they got a lot of RFAs and UFAs coming in this year, and they don't have a whole lot of cap space either. Yeah. So you're losing some good pieces that you do have to free agency this year. It's it's going to be rough these next few years being an Oilers fan, and I don't feel bad for them at all because my Canucks are going to be great. My Flames are great. We got fucking Quinn Hughes coming up, and whoever we get in next year's draft should turn out okay, I hope. Because from the sounds of it, it's uh, Canucks have good rookie, like they they're building something great. So maybe this year it doesn't go all the way, but in the future, even if they don't make the playoffs, as the uh, as the NHL draft lottery has shown, uh, random ass teams can really get those uh, top three picks. Yeah, I, I I still remember they they were second last te- last in the uh, NHL, and both them and Colorado were picking like the top six instead of the top three. Though, to be fair, that season, that was also when they picked at five, and they got Elias Pettersson. <laughs> so, wall worked down the end. Yeah, it did. Because uh, first pick that year was Nico Heeshier, who's been good, but Pettersson's been better yeah. right now, coming in this year. Oh, yeah. No, Edmonton is a absolute fucking mess right now. So, I thought we dealing with that. Uh, and TSN also put out stuff on the upcoming NHL draft. And it is still the Jack Hughes draft. Like, he's more or less a shoe in going number one. So, whoever gets him, they're going to get something good. And then, potential second overall pick, who also is, like, in a class of his own, Capital uh, Cap... Kako? Yeah. From Finland is also just in another world, basically. Yeah. But just, like, here's Jack Hughes, power gap, uh, capo, uh, power gap, rest of the draft. Yeah. It's it's like a... It's like a Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel kind of situation going on. Uh, but yeah... Uh, that's more or less it for the NHL. Uh, you got anything else you want to talk about? I don't think there was much else going on, uh, because the Raptors are currently sitting more or less at the top of the NBA. That's nice to hear. Oh, yeah. Uh, Victor Odolipo of the, uh, the Pacers has a ruptured tent, quad tendon, so he's out for the rest of the year. Uh, so there goes, uh, Indiana's chances of going deep this year. Right out, right out the fucking window. Yeah. Actually, Milwaukee, okay, this is weird. What? So, Milwaukee's currently leading the Eastern Conference at 34 and 12, uh, and Toronto's right behind them at 36 and 14. <laughs> They're technically tied at games back. Huh. That's weird. That is kind of weird. Because, like, Milwaukee's got less losses, but Toronto's got more wins. 
So yeah. I technically they're tied right now. You know, I'm really hoping from the NBA because they've been an, they've been another one where I want to see fresh faces. Yeah, I, I've talked about this with other people in that the NBA is a league that is built on eras or dynasties. Because you look, uh, during the 80s, it was completely dominated by Lakers and Celtics. Yeah. And then, right at the, uh, the right at like 89-90, you had back-to-back wins by the Pistons. And then, you had the beginning of the Michael Jordan era of the 90s. Where it was three straight wins, Mike retires for the first time. Yeah. And then, you had back-to-back wins by the Rockets. And then he comes back in 96 and wins another three titles. And then... Who won 90? 99, I think, was the Spurs. And then 2000 was uh, three-peat by the Lakers. And then the Spurs, I think, won our back-to-back. Oh, wait, no. uh, Not the Spurs. Uh, Let me look at NBA champions, because it's been a lot of, like, dynasty, back-to-back, or single championship, and then back-to-back. Yeah, because it's when the big players emerge. Oh, yeah. For those certain teams, like the Michael Jordan eras, and then the Kobe Bryants, and then... Shaq. Shaq. Yeah, the, the Shaq, Shaq and Kobe Bryant era. And then you had the the uh, the big fundamental, like, uh, Tim Duncan and, like, the big three in San Antonio. And they would just constantly be good. And then you'd ha- you would have a random team win it, like uh, the Heat would win it one year... Before they had the uh, the big three era there, and then like uh, the Pistons won one. Uh, yeah, just looking through all this. Yeah, there 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 are a lot of teams that are definitely due for an NBA championship by yeah. now, like. Uh, well, Knicks are no good, so they're they're probably not going to see it anytime soon. Uh, maybe the 76ers, Last time they won was eighty three. They've had they've put on put up a pretty good team these past few years. Uh, last time the Celtics won was oh eight, and the last time the Lakers won was twenty ten. You know, it's also weird. Like LeBron James goes to L A. and everyone's like, "Oh, L A. is going to lead the league." They're not. They're not even close right now. LA is currently 15th overall in the league, and in the conference, they're ninth. They're currently staying out of the playoffs. And that's a team with LeBron James, you got Lonzo Ball, you got Brandon Ingram, uh, Kyle Kuzma, and whoever your fifth guy on the court yeah. is. Well, I mean the main. Re- I mean the main reason why LeBron James went out to LA is media. Media. It, it, it's it's his Hollywood moment, more or less. Media and Space Jam. Yeah, Space Jam. Because Space Jam 2 has him in it. I mean, do you want to fly back and forth between L.A. and fucking Cleveland? Not or really. Or do you want to go to L.A.? And also, you know, the moment last season that... Where, you, where every Cleveland fan knew... It's over, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. The LeBron era here is over. We we got a title, we got one out of them. <laughs> uh, how fucking cruel would it have been if like 
The fucking uh, Warriors beat them three times in a row. Oh, uh, that would I, I would have creamed my pants if that actually happened. How are the Warriors doing this year? Uh, they're currently leading the West, but uh, not by as much as you think. Because, like, when you're talking about eras, you're ta- we're we're in the Warriors. Yeah, era we were right talking now. about like you think you think about the back to back eras that are going on, like the LeBron James era that's currently fighting with the Steph, Steph Curry, Curry era, Warrior era. Because yeah. not only is the NBA like where eras and dynasties are all that. They thrive. Yeah. yeah. They also thrive on... NBA, I think, is the biggest place where you can stack your fucking team. Oh, yeah. It's super easy. Like, how in the world were the Warriors that already had Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Andre Iguodala able to get Kevin Durant on that team... Well, it's because the NBA has the broken system of the sal- their salary cap. You just have to pay the luxury tax. Yeah. So richer teams like Golden State that have billions of dollars being in the fucking Silicon Valley, they can just stack their team all they want. Fuck it. Like, that's how Cleveland was able to do it because they, their fucking team would just like, well, we'll just pay the luxury tax and uh, just, we'll, we'll have an absolutely fucking loaded team while... Yeah. A team like Toronto, where it was a lot more frugal, uh, they couldn't get a lot of the big names, so they had to build their own guys. So it was really surprising when they managed to get a guy like uh, Sergi Baca. Well, they did trade for him, but you know, yeah. either way, uh, that uh, for a while there, they were a team completely built on uh, signing lower tier free agents or trading for lower tier guys and building them up. Or uh, just drafting. Uh, like, DeMar DeRozan was a guy who was just completely built through that organization. Yeah, there's a difference between... You can definitely tell there's a difference between drafting and building. Like, tra- the Raptors have to build a team because they can't draft. They don't have the money the Golden State Warriors have. Where it's like, you guys built these players, we're taking them. Yeah. They're now our players. Like, that's how San Antonio did it for years. Like, you had the big three of guys who were completely drafted by them with uh, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker. Yeah. And then, like, midway through that, you also draft Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard? Like, you just, they were setting themselves up for success until everything kind of fell apart near the end. Uh, the Leonard era. Like, and now Leonard's in Toronto. Like, for me, uh, the reason why you see teams like Golden State constantly going, not only because they have the money, is like, but they all, take... Also, that is also an example of a team that completely built themselves through the draft. They did. Like, Steph Curry was like 15th overall pick, I think, his year. And he's the best player in the league right now. Best player in the world right now. Like, I definitely think we're out of the era where LeBron James... Once LeBron James went Hollywood and now he's in Space Jam 2, it's just... His, his era is kind of done. The flair of him is kind of done, whereas Steph Curry... Like, yeah, he does commercials every now and then, but obviously he's going to do that. Yeah. He is one he, of the best He's athletes. a basketball player. He's one of the best... Through and through. Yeah, he's one of the best athletes in the world. Of course he's going to do that. Yeah. But Steph Curry, I think, 
was in the LeBron, like his era was there, but it was kind of over the LeBron James shadow was overcasting it. Yeah, uh, I think the the peak of LeBron's era was in that NBA Finals Game Seven where yeah. uh, that fucking block. You remember that? Yeah, where he literally came out of nowhere like just a fucking jet and just blocks Iguodala's fucking like layup attempt. And I was like, that was like the peak of LeBron's era. That was when you. That was when everyone who's a LeBron fan watching went, "It's all down you know, from here." Like that. That's it. That like that. That's the mountaintop. Once he won in Cleveland, he he's got nothing left to do really, nope. other than become a media mongrel. And he's currently starting that trend, and and that's why I think, I think. Like, the shadow that was being cast over the Steph Curry era is slowly slipping away, and Steph Curry is coming up. It's also, we're we're entering a bit of a transition era, because uh, you look at a team like Toronto right now, if, like, if they somehow manage to uh, re-sign Kawhi Leonard... He could be the LeBron of the East right now. Yeah. He could be the new LeBron James of the East, and Toronto could run the East with him. And apparently there's talks of Toronto making a deal with Washington to acquire Bradley Beal Ooh. as a shooting guard. So that would really... Like, your starting five would then be... Uh, uh, Kawhi at small forward, uh, Bradley Beal at shooting guard... Uh, Iguodala, no, not Iguodala, Ibaka at a power forward, uh, Pascal Saikam at center, and at point guard, you got Kyle Lowry. That's a pretty loaded team. Yeah, that is a fair to say loaded team. Um, it is, it does make, um, for an interesting sport when you watch those loaded teams go up, because it's like, especially when you watch like Golden State Warriors, they're, they're fi- that five that you were talking about, that's, when they sign Kevin Durant, it's like, where where's the line? Is this allowed? Is like, that fair? Like, next thing you know, it's like, LeBron James now been signed by Golden State Warriors, and it's like, where's the line? Where does, where does the ball drop? That they're like, we can't sign this person. Michael Jordan comes out of retirement for one more season with the Golden State Warriors. Oh my god. <laughs> Shaq goes back. Oh, the, the fucking uh, retirement tour. Golden State Warriors just sees what they can do. They just build a god. They basically build the all-star team of the, the, the century. The past, like, super, the ultimate super team. Golden Fuck. Year, the Golden Years state. The Golden Years. <laughs> oh man, but uh, this this NBA season is going to be an interesting one because Golden State, despite the fact they're fucking loaded, they're not dominating like they normally do. Like Denver is at thirty-one and fifteen, and they're only a game and a half back. Uh, Oklahoma's four games back, but. I mean, you got Russell Westbrook, so it is kind of it is kind of refreshing to hear that LeBron James, LeBron James in LA isn't like 
Oh, fuck. It's not dominate. They're not number not one. Le- everything's not LeBron James, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's a breath of fresh air. I got a little tired of everything being LeBron James. I, yeah, I got tired of watching Golden State and uh, and uh, Cleveland in the finals. It, yeah, that was Just ex- like I was tired of seeing the Heat in the finals. Yeah, that was exhausting. It was like three years, like, oh, great, they're both back. Yeah. <sighs> Kind of like seeing the Patriots. This is like, oh great, it's back. Yay. See, but at least with the Patriots in, there's always the question is like, are they really as yeah. good? Are they year? actually going to claim it? Whereas it's like when you're watching Golden State and Cleveland, it's like, well, yeah, they're yeah. Gonna get yeah that's there. what's going to happen. We all know this is going to happen. Uh, guy, anything else you want to talk about? Not in uh, sports. Okay. I think that'll do us for this week, huh? So next week will be uh, the lead-up to the Super Bowl. Big things. Big things are happening. Wheels are turning. Uh, Who do you think is going to win the Pro Bowl, I guess? That's... I can't think of that. Who are you thinking? Um, I'm thinking it might be the NFC. NFC might take it this year. Uh, I'm inclined to agree with you on that. Yeah. NFC just has way. I think the NFC has stronger players. Yeah, yeah. So I think the NFC could take it. Yeah. All right. Which is fine. I'm not loyal to the AFC or NFC. I'm just loyal to the team in there. Yeah. All right. I think uh, I'll do it for us this week. Uh, catch us uh, next week for the Super Bowl. Super Bowl predictions. Super Bowl, yes, Super Bowl. And then the week after, when I'm laughing at Ryan with my new Patriots <laughs> Patriots Championship hat. I don't want this future. I don't like that future. That's the future. Worst timeline. <laughs> That's the best timeline for you. No, because then you're gonna be laughing at me because there is a there is a good chance that it's like, yeah. Yeah, you may, your team may win the Super Bowl. What are they going to do without Brady? And then it's like, no, Brady's still on. The fuck? Austin. The meatloaf. Fuck!